0: This is Radio Free Pro Wrestling, the home of smart and stunning wrestling takes.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode of Radio Free Professional Wrestling. And what a week for you guys to join us because we have a extra special episode this week, as we have the voice of NST UK Annie Shepherd. We did an interview, me and David last week. When we're going to put it in here on the show today for you guys. I think you're going to enjoy it. But before we get there, my two co-hosts. First, all the way from Peterborough in the UK, David the Smart Mark, and my other co-host from that second city, the Wendy's City, Jake from the Wendy's City. Gentlemen, how are you doing?
2: Unfortunately, it is a uh, we are in mourning here in the Windy City, considering that one of our one of our beloved athletes I'd say part of the Mount Rushmore of Chicago sports, our beloved Patrick Kane has moved on and decided to uh, come back to his family in uh, in the state of New York that's uh, the New York Rangers so as of right now i'm still in uh, I'm still in mourning mode, but uh, we're trying to we're trying to move on and rebuild uh, here in the city of Chicago. <laughs>
3: I've got every sympathy, mate. I, I was like that when Goudreau and Chucky left uh, Calgary in the closed season, last season. Teams never seem to recover from losing their best players. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd I normally be ripping the complete backside out of you and taking the mitt, but I've got every sympathy for this one.
2: I feel about Calgary is too yeah but I'm just I'm just I'm not fully in mourning though at least I'm relieved that we still have Jonathan Taves in the Blackhawks though so yeah he's, <laughs> he's still he's yeah he's, quality yeah, he's one quality player <laughs>
3: yeah quality player anyway don't confuse Sean by talking hockey mate <laughs>
2: that's true
1: <laughs> I'm sorry what is hockey I'm sorry oh wait a minute I know how to make you guys feel better let's just go ahead and talk about what happened this past weekend in professional wrestling Ditto then. Gentlemen, what I want to talk about first is the title changed. that happened on Monday night. Raw. As we saw the women tag team titles change hands from demos control to the unlucky tag team of Becky Lynch and Lita with a little help from Trish Stratus. Gentlemen, what did you think about the main event from Money Night Raw from this past week?
2: I thought this was a pleasant surprise. The company did a better job presenting this main event by pushing it early and often after doing a poor job with the last week's Austin Theory versus Edge matchup for the US title. With the, with the Babyface duo winning the titles with a little help from Trish Stratus, uh, clo- closing the show on a high note, I'm not sure what this is leading to for WrestleMania, but. It's interesting that uh, it's interesting that uh, on the on the other hand, on the other side we see uh, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler are being simultaneously pushed as a tag team on SmackDown. Uh this has made me second guess my assumption that uh, this could be leading to uh, Lynch Lynch Lita and Stratus facing damage control in a six-woman tag team match but but yeah I mean I'm kind of sad that uh, damage control has the tag titles because I I love those three but uh, maybe this could lead to something much more interesting going into Mania but uh, hey I mean, I'm a Trish Stratus guy all around, <laughs> so it was, so so it made me pop when I saw it live on Raw when she came out. So,
3: <laughs> Yeah, you pretty much summed it up. You haven't left me with a lot of, a lot of meat on the bones there, um, Mr. Jake. I can see a six-way for the titles at WrestleMania. I'd agree with that 100%. I'd have been happy if Trish Stratus and Lita had won the Tag Team titles and Becky Lynch got sacked. Went back to Alaska or wherever, island or wherever she came from, and was never seen near a wrestling ring again. But hey, you know, that's just my personal, really genuine dislike of her. But <laughs> yeah, Lita, you got the nostalgic pop. You're absolutely bang on. They can bring her in for WrestleMania for that nostalgia pop. And as I say, wouldn't they put Trish with her just for a couple of months? It wouldn't have hurt rather than Lynch having metal round her waist again. But hey, yeah, you covered it there. Six ladies in WrestleMania, I think you're right. It's incredible to me that
2: Trish and Leader are now 47 years old and definitely do look better than than how, than how what I do right now.
3: <laughs> well, just imagine how I feel.
1: You know, Jim, and I was thinking about this while you guys were talking, we could see a triple threat for the women tag team titles as you have that team of Ronda Rasley and Shayna Baszler versus Damage Control versus Becky Lynch and Lita. You could do that. Now, granted, I would rather see the three women where you have Trish and Becky
2: and Lita versus
1: Damage Control. I feel like that would be a more entertaining match.
2: Yeah, you can invoke the the free bird rule, and in, in terms of the women's tag side, yeah. so yeah.
3: <laughs> and Damage Control would be a perfect sort of group <laughs> to have the free bird rule, wouldn't they?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, I was kind of surprised they didn't do that from the start. Once they got the tiles, they never de- did that.
3: That's mm. because we're better bookers than they are.
2: Yeah. At least we have a common sense here in Radio Free Professional Wrestling. So, and well, we know, and we, yeah. we know, and we know from history. So, <laughs> yeah. and, and I don't know if some of the writers, if any of the writers backstage, even know who the Freebirds are.
3: <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> that is a really good point. Yeah. Free birds, who they?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, gentlemen, we are going to slide over to our center stage interview segment. Now, me and David just landed something special last week as we got to talk to the voice of NSC UK, Andy Shepard, and we did about 30, 40 minutes of chat with Andy. You're going to get a 27-minute interview here where we cover the start of his career with WWE and NSC UK. He talks about the challenges of doing... Broadcasting during the pandemic era, and he even gives us a little insight on next week's match between Mickosai Moore and Roxanne Perez.
0: Radio Free Pro Wrestling proudly presents Center Stage. Help David and Sean welcome this week's guest to the show
1: ladies and gentlemen we have a very special treat for you this week on our center stage interview segment we have the great honor to have the voice of Nst UK and yes I want to still say the voice of NXT UK even though it's been off the air for about five months now I can't believe that but Andy Shepard is on the show with us Andy how are you doing today
0: guys it's great to be with you thank you for inviting me on I'm gra- I'm great I'm talking to you guys it's it's a it's a great day oh bless you <laughs> thanks very much <laughs> you are looking well thank you very much no it, it, it's been a it's been a, a great start to the year um yeah you know, and i think when we just talked before we started rolling on the record and you know so much happening in the world of pro wrestling to to
3: have enjoyed recently but also to look forward to yeah absolutely go on sean start us off
1: when i was going back and looking up information for doing this interview i kind of forgot that you were the ring announcer for the very first uk tournament Back in 2017, I am like, wait a minute, yeah, you did that. And I went back and watched that tournament. I remember you saying that was the very first time you didn't <clears throat> even announcing whatsoever.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll be completely honest with you, and I, I can be honest now, I blagged. I blagged the hell out of that. Um, so before that, you know, leading into that tournament... I was I was presenting shows. I was the, the the anchor, I suppose the Americans call it. You know, the guy who runs the show and talks and does all that kind of stuff. But I had started a, a dialogue with WWE. I'd been I'm a producer as well. I'd been making a sketch for James Corner's Late Late Show uh, backstage at a WWE event here in London with James's parents, and um, got talking to some of the producers there. And I, I said to them, like, "You yeah, know, hey, if I, if I wanted to get a show off with someone, how how would I do that?" Anyway, got put in the right direction and sent through, you know examples of my work at that time i remember this this was back in middle of 2016 so there's no uk wwe There's was a very speculative um connection there but uh, a dialogue started with with the guys at wwe and fast forward a few months the uk tournament's get announced. so i think it was december early december i got i got a call from um, michael cole saying hey you know do you want to be a part of it i was like yeah and then he said have you ever done any ring announcing and Look, in this business, you know to always say yes. And, you know, I've hosted boxing shows and I've been inside the ring talking, interviewing uh, a boxer, a fighter. So in my mind, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, I'm kind of a ring announcer. I'm in the ring talking. So I just said yes. I just said yes. And Cole took a big old risk on me and, um, yeah, came down to that tournament. And I remember the day before the tournament because because everyone was so new um, and we we're going to do two nights of live TV. think think back to that now like two nights of live programming on the wwe network with talent that had the majority of which had never worked with wwe at all that's a i mean you look back at the, the the rolling of the dice wwe were doing it was amazing so many opportunities for all of us um but we had rehearsals the day before just for entrances and stuff like that for everyone to get used to kind of what's going on and i remember doing uh the, the ring announcing I was bad. Like I I was bad. Like I remember thinking, "What's a know, What does a ring announcer do?" Um, And just kind of shouting names and just, you know, I'd never done it. I'd never done it before. I was blagging it. And then, you know, Cole just said, "Hey, look, man, relax. You know, we hired you to be you. Just be you." And some, I don't know. I went away that night. Something switched in my mind, and you know, I did. I think I did enough that weekend to kind of get by to to not completely screw it. And then, you know, very fortunate with the opportunities that kind of came with that.
3: So um, from that point, then. Because you actually eventually, am I correct in saying you replaced Tom Phillips when the, the commentating... Came up. Yeah,
0: so- yes. Yeah, so I, I mean, my background is broadcasting, is presenting, is is hosting shows. So once I I had the privilege of sort of working inside WWE and seeing how the show comes together, the ring is great. Like it, it's it's so much fun that I know I, it's more fun than I ever thought it would be. Because what people see on TV is you know you have got someone in the ring and you're saying the name, you shout shouting names and they come great. But it's the bits in between, which you know when you get to work with the crowd, you, you know you. You get to be up there communicating with the crowd, you know, talking to them, making them pop, getting them excited. It's it's such a fun and privileged role that I, I really loved it. I, look, I started looking at opportunities within WWE, and I realised that I think you know I, th- I think commentary that that's sort of where I think I'd like to have a go because it, it was close to what I was you know doing, and I've also got background as a producer. And when you're in on that desk, there's so much going on that it, it really buzzed all of the things that I I, I love doing. So I started practicing and with the help of like people like Tom Phillips and Vic Joseph and John quasto and stuff. And you know, just, just, just working, just watching matches, calling stuff, sending it through to the team and getting feedback. And, you know, every now and again, you know, people get moved to raw, people get moved around and, you know, there was a space on that desk. And yeah, man. When I, got, I remember, literally, when I got the call. Like I was, I was trembling. I can't think of another time, another call for another job, where I've been so excited and so happy, but also so nervous. Because again, just like the ring announcing, I'd never done commentary. And when I look back at some of the first things I called, it's <laughs> rubbish. I mean, it's—I mean, you know—and it's one of the commentary is one of those things that, I, as a sports fan and particularly pro wrestling, I've watched the product for, year, like for years. I love it. I'm passionate about it. But I'd never really studied the commentary. You just you enjoy it, and you know it's adding. But I, I, up until I started looking into it more, I'd never really broken it down. And it's it's such an art form, and it's 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 tricky to to sort of adjust to things and things like that. So it's a real learning curve. So when I got the call saying, "Hey, um, you're going in the seat, you and Nigel," uh, I was excited, man. I was
3: I was nervous. Well, Mr. McGuinness is one of my all-time heroes. So. At least you have Blue Peter in common as well. <laughs> I do, he's
0: a he's a big Blue Peter fan. And look, Nigel, I I love Nigel dearly. I talked about the guys who helped me in in the in the build up to me sitting in that seat. But you know, Nigel, throughout that entire process, I couldn't ask for a better wingman. Man. Like Nigel, you know, Nigel helped me in so many ways. He's he's such a good guy. He is. He's yeah. He's amazing, Mister McGuinness. I
3: mean, what, one of the dynamics of this show, and I will let Sean. Jump up in the minute just because um is that Sean and myself are both fans of classic British wrestling. Now, Nigel coming from yeah. Hammerlock, was one of my all-time heroes, one of my proudest moments. I'm an ex-Squaddy, Andy. And my wife on an evening phone call, one of the rare phone calls I got to make to my wife, she turned around and she said, Oh, by the way, I've had this um email from America from this Mr. McGuinness fella about his DVD and I nearly passed out over the phone. I'd done a full tour of Afghan, and my wife got an email from Nigel McGuinness because she'd ordered me as a a welcome home present his last McGuinness DVD. And he'd taken the time because she'd explained about me, you know, just write her an email for me. And I could have killed her at that moment. uh, No, Nigel is, he's he's such
0: a... Such a good guy, and I've got I've got so many thanks to give to him. He's um he's a very 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 special man indeed.
1: You know, and the one thing I like about you and Nigel, your chemistry is so great. And it took me a while to figure out you guys were hardly ever together just because of the pandemic. So what kind of challenges were you guys facing being like transatlantic,
0: mate? It was <clears throat> you're completely right. So I I got to sit in the commentary uh, seat for the first time. I think it was Coventry, and they were the last tapings before the pandemic. And I think we would normally tape six shows over the two days. And I think we taped four, maybe five that time because we were going into, I, I can't remember if we were going into um, WrestleMania or something, but there's a reason why we taped a, a few less shows that time. So we recorded those shows and then the world locked down, everything locked down. And you know, for a while I was, you know, doing links, for, links from this very sofa that I'm sitting on now, for NXT UK. And then when we got to come back from the BT Sports studios, yeah, I mean, people, I don't know if people get into the country or if you know, it, was, it was super hard, but yeah, we me and Nigel had to had to hook up um, remotely. And for the first few tapings, I wasn't even on the BT Sports Studios floor. I'd turn up, I'd have to go about three floors up from where the action was, sit in a sound booth and me and Nigel were, were linked up and we'd have like a little uh, video call going on to see each other. But other than that, we're talking through, um, through the headset and it was it was weird. It was weird because I, there's so much I think that goes into commentary. You know, where you know if you're going to say something, give him a little bit. You know, those little pass-offs, those little physical things you can do if you're together, which I think help the smoothness. Um, me and Nigel didn't have that privilege for a long time, but it kind of became second nature. And when Nigel did get to come over here, it was early last year. It was amazing. It was great. It was just so good to have him next to me. I could I could smash him in the ribs halfway through a match, and we could just you know it, it was it's yeah it's, it's so great having him there but from a technical standpoint i know when they were setting up those recordings um at bt there's a lot of work that went into making sure that our monitors despite being thousands of miles apart our monitors are showing the same thing at the same time trying to get you know a delay on it to make sure our audio was set up so um you know the, the crew behind that making sure that there was a little latency between everything we were working with that was that was a big old thing for us
3: andy um one of the things that fascinated me about nxt uk Particularly as it started to get, well, Sean and myself, we were on about it on this podcast for weeks as it was, it was the must out of all the wrestling, and this is all wrestling television, it was always must-see show of the week, genuinely, because the, the, the matches were so good, and as I say, Sean's touched upon yours and Nigel's chemistry added rather than took away, um, but what I'd like to know is, I, all the talent, ninety-five percent of the talent you called upon, I've watched growing up in the British Indies, and you nailed it. But how much interaction would they have in the traditional sense of coming to you and Nigel when they could to get the, to get them over, if you like, for the want of a cli- you know resting cliche?
0: Yeah, um, as much as they wanted, uh, we had great relationships with you know all the talent, there, and um, we'd always inc- we'd always encourage all of them. Hey, you got something to give to us? You know, you want to. Put, give something to us. Let us know something. Do whatever. We always encourage them to be to come and talk to us or to send us a message. I think a big thing for us that we learned is we've got to take the information they give us, but you can't be wed to that. You know, you you still got to use your judgment. They say I'm going to do this thing to reference to this, this, and this. Like, okay, that, that's great information to have, but in the moment, if that's not coming across or if it doesn't feel relevant in that moment, you've got to make that edit your yourself. So so that's something we had to kind of work with. But no, in in terms of the, the access to the talent, they almost all of them would come and talk to us at some point. And I think that's a great thing where Nigel was as well. I think, um, you know, a lot of the superstars who had the sort of courage to to do it would, would ask Nigel for feedback and he'd always, you know, go back and watch a match and give feedback, you know, because Nigel's, you know, he's not only is he an incredible person, a commentator, but, you know, a lot of people maybe forget what a performer he was he gets it he gets it he gets it and he know you know he knows all he knows he's a fountain of knowledge so I, I think the talent having access to someone like him to come and you know even just run a couple of ideas but you know I, I know sometimes Nigel will go and sit with some of the guys when they're trying to work something out and uh you know they they pick his brands and you know having Nigel McGuinness work with you uh, from a creative standpoint just offering a few things in there it's only going to make it better it really really does
1: I remember that set of techniques you were talking about. I feel like you guys were heading into like NST takeover Dublin. They were talking about doing the first UK takeover outside the UK. And unfortunately, the pandemic hit. I felt like you guys were firing all cylinders. And that was like the moment where I felt like you guys were ready to take that next level up. If you feel like we didn't have the pandemic, you think NST UK would have been even harder?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, first and foremost, what what the talent did in the, the, let's call it the BT Sport era or the BT Sports Studios. What the talent did in that time was incredible. For months, I mean, uh, maybe years, I can't remember the exact dates, but they didn't have anyone to perform in front of. And then when crowds let air, there was a sprinkling. Yeah, they were putting on matches that, you know, honestly, match of the year contenders, match of the year contenders. And, you know, I, I think that when you're in there as a performer, you, you feed off the crowd, you're pacing, you know the, the way you're calling spots and stuff. I, you know, I, I feel like the performers will feed off that crowd there. So when you take that away, it's got to be a completely different beast. So first of all, hats off to everyone who performed in that BT Sport era and and put on matches, which which you know I'm biased, but I thought they were some of the best wrestling out there um, week in week out. But no, I, I think you're right. Going back to that that time leading into what was going to be Takeover Dublin the tapings that I jumped on, Finn Balor, Finn Balor was there. You know, he, he came out. It looked like we were going down the road of him versus Walter at the time, Gunther. Um, yeah you know, it, it was, it, Pace was picking up, Pace was picking up. And you know, actually, you know, several months ago, I went back and watched, I think it was Takeover Cardiff. I was watching and man, the atmosphere, like, honestly, I think one thing that makes this brand so special is the fans. You know, the, the fans were so passionate, so unique, so vocal, um, unlike anything else sort of out there. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. I think if the pandemic hadn't happened, I, I think things like TakeOver Dublin would have happened. And I hope that it would have snowballed into, you know, a gargantuan thing, which you know, I'm, I'm hoping that's where they're looking at this NXT Europe thing, where they're going, OK, well, you know, we always want to get to that point, so... We're going to take this hiatus and relaunch, rebrand it. And I hope it's going to allow those performers, um, those talent to be on a stage um, and on a show that is, it's going to open a lot of people's eyes, I hope.
1: You know, Annie, I hope so too, because that crowd, you're right. is something special. And at the point when Ants UK first premiered, I was really getting tired of the North American product. I was just going out looking for stuff to watch. And I just had, I had the network. And like you said, that two night NST UK title that just got me caught into the emotion of, hey, there's more wrestling out here, and this British scene is on fire, and there would be weeks where NCUK would be the only show I would go out of my way and watch live. Like as soon as they
0: downloaded it on the network, I was right there at it. Yeah, I mean that that's that's so good to hear. And I think the you know, one thing that helped our show was it was an hour long. You could jump into it. Yeah. You know, it was you could jump into it. It's you know fifty, sixty minutes. It it was digestible. You got in there. You knew that every match was going to be a banger. So I, I, think, I think to a certain extent that helped us. Because, you know, we all love Raw. We all love SmackDown. We all love NXT. We all love all of the shows. But sometimes you haven't got a three, two, three-hour window to, to sit down. So like, hey, look, you know, I've just had my tea. I want to sit down, watch some wrestling. Boom, NXT UK. You know you're going to get bangers. You know you're going to get a good show. And it's, it was digestible. So I, I think to a certain extent that kind of helped us. It's tough for the talent, though, because, you know, with a 60-minute show, there's only so many minutes. To feature so many talent, so I, I'm sure that was frustrating. But I think from an audience point of view, it was a, a great digestible show. I've got to be
3: honest; I'm struggling with NXT at the moment, big lad. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's another story for another day. What I'd like to ask you is: um, Did you get involved in the creative at all um, during your time there, or were you given the opportunity to even see it, or or were you just told, you know, right, this is this is this? If you like the
0: yeah, no, I wouldn't say I was involved in creative, um, but what is it? A great aspect of being on the commentary desk is you're telling stories you know yeah. you are telling stories and so it's you know we'll be in production meetings and we'd you know we'd understand certain things but you know when when people are out there it's it's up to you to call them out to to tell the story and of course it's the story that you've seen in terms of promos and the build into a match but there's also whatever spin you can put it and what you know what I, what I love about the job on commentary is we're trying to make whatever those guys and girls are doing in the ring, we're trying to accentuate it. We're trying to make it even bigger, even more meaningful, you know? So whatever way we can do that is great. And I remember having conversations with certain superstars discussing their, their narratives and I'd ask them, oh, so, so is this the way you're looking at it? And sometimes it was, but sometimes like, oh no, I hadn't really thought about it that way. So it was those moments where us as commentators could put like a different spin on it or put a different layer. I always think of a story like an onion. You peel back an onion, there's different layers to it, you know, the top layer is just, you know, two people having a fight. But then as you go through the layers, you're like, oh, OK, well, now there's this emotion or this emotion or this narrative. And I think whatever we as commentators can do to, to add more layers to the story is great. But in terms of creative and writing the shows, no, I wasn't involved in that. OK. What was your favourite match to call?
3: Sorry, that's a bit... A bit
0: no, ridiculous. no, no, no. I mean, th- there's ones that are big honours, like, you know, the Walter Dragonoff match, yes. you know. That was a big one. As well as matches I look back on, you know, it was still quite early in my commentary calling. I'm like, oh, I could have tweaked that. I could have tweaked that. Those are significant ones. I mean, this thing like the, the final match, Tyler versus Trent. You know, a match that we thought we'd never see. There was one match I've got to tell you. There was one match that stands out, and it was Ivy Nile versus Mako Satamura. because it was just a, you know Ivy had come over for a camp, and she was doing a, a run for our tapings and. You know she was put in a great position she was challenging for the uk title again to make a you know big match and it was it was great to to do our best to try and elevate her to put her in a position where you know she was a threat to uh to her and of course she was doing that herself through through her actions but as commentators to try and tell those stories and try and tweak that was a real honor and um you know what's that match back of those guys put on a hell of a match and um, you know, I can hear me and Nigel having
3: a lot of fun in that one. We um we are big fans of Mako, aren't we? Sure. Oh, she's great.
1: Well, speaking of Miko Sacamore, next week NXT is doing their special roadblock and she's facing off against Rosan Perez. And I'm thinking, guys, I wish they would have held us off to Annette stand and deliver. I know this match is gonna be one for the ages. So Andy, are you sticking with your girl um, on to beat Rosan Perez for the title? <laughs>
0: We'll see, brother. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I think I think Roxanne Perez is someone who has certainly shown that she is capable of um, pulling it out of the bag when she needs to. But let's be honest, make her like, make sat more. There's nothing she hasn't seen. There's no situation she's been in that will be right. new to her. She's been around the block. Really? But but let's be honest, any ring roster. You know, she's she hasn't competed regularly for quite some time. How's that going to affect her? But, you know, look, I'll go back to your original point. It's, it's a match that we know is going to be a banger. It's too... Competitors at different ends of their careers, and it's um it's one that you're going to have to tune into, and um, I think it's it's going to uh, excite a lot of people
3: in, in the nicest possible sense. Prior to you getting your hands on her, I introduced Sean to Kaylee Ray because I was a big ICW mark for a long period of time and tripped up to Glasgow all, all the time, and um, the the Mako and Kaylee Ray matches are some of the best female wrestling I think I've ever seen in my life
0: yeah those, those two just tore it down of course you know the matches with Katie and Piper um yeah yes. some some some. Like, again you, you look up and down the roster and there's there's so many special matches in the UK's um history that it's um yeah it, it's one of those things where I think you know if you've got the network and you're stuck for something to watch go back and watch episodes of nxt uk go back back and watch some of those nxt takeovers honestly they they stand up against the best of the best of events
1: um what do you think is the legacy of NXT uk on the british wrestling scene and the wrestling scene as a whole
0: i think it's it's given so many people who are working so hard on uk scene it's given them a livelihood and it's given them opportunity you know, it's anyone who's worked on the Indies knows it's, it's a slog, man. You're out there, you're grafting, making a living uh, is, is a challenge on the Indies. And I think it's, it's like when you, on the Indies, like when you see a band that you love and you're seeing them in like in a, in a venue for the first time, like, Oh my God, these, these guys are great. I think when NXT UK came in and with with the WWE, it it was taking those people who are really standing out on the scene and going, Hey, look, we're going to reward you. Here's, you know, we're going to help you pay your bills. We're going to give you some of the best training the world can offer you. And we're going to put you on a platform to open eyes, open other people's eyes to you, you know? And I think particularly in recent months, you know, we're seeing a, we're seeing a huge influx of the guys and girls from the UK going over to the US. Just look just look at NXT, you know, the, the amount of UK uh, talent that is now in there. Um, it's great to see Tyler over there now, Ilya's over there. I mean, look what Gunther is doing on the main roster, Rhea. I mean, I know she was US based, but she's come over and and, and utilized that platform. I, I think it really was um rewarding the industry over here um for everyone's hard work because then the industry, it's 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 such a unique and great one over here. We talk about the fans, the, the fans are, are a huge part of of all these these independent for lack of a better term shows up and down the country. And yeah, I, I think that's it. I think it was showing that, you know, if you're a wrestler in the UK or Europe, that you can make a living. There's opportunity there.
3: I think my greatest moment, actually, out of all of it, happened quite recently. And seeing Trent turn up on AEW television, I i, I, I was so mad, because I've, I've met, like, obviously, like you said, not, not probably at your level, but I, I, talked to, I used to talk to Trent indiscriminately um, and randomly, and I always met him at shows, and he was, again, top fella. I'm sure you've got plenty of stories. But just to see him get... On AEW television, I, I I was on the ceiling that that particular night. I thought it was
0: brilliant. Yeah, Trent's having some great matches right now. I mean, I've seen. Obviously, had that you know he had some AEW, and um, I think he's doing some stuff with OTT. And he, you know, he's got some he's got some big matches lined up at the moment. So you know, it's it's an exciting time for him to go out there and, and show what you know what he loves doing. What's next for you, Andy? What's next for me? This weekend, I'm hosting the Floyd Mayweather fight. I'll be down there at the O2 uh, doing that. Yeah, so I've got that. Um, There's a few other things, some stuff in the world of MMA, some stuff in the world of boxing. There's some really exciting things coming up uh, in the near future. So, yeah, it's it's a a great time. And, again, working in combat sports, there's so much jeopardy. There's so much excitement around it. You know, things can change in a split second. In terms of what happens inside the ring of the cage. I'm very privileged to get to work in this industry and and um yeah and get to you know I get to be the voice of the fans. You know, my job is to be there to host these shows or commentate on them and you know, I'm just a fan who gets to be there. Um, which is again like just I'm so lucky, guys.
3: <laughs> so lucky. Before I hand you back to Sean, I've just got to ask you because this is something we're gonna discuss on our regular weekly podcast. Um, what do you make of the Tony versus Ariel uh Twitter? Twitter fight because that's had us giggling this week. Yeah, I've got,
0: I've seen some stuff. I haven't really looked. I haven't looked too far into it, but so I can't really comment on what they're what, going back and forth on. But what I can say is I love Hilwani. Since Ariel has gone okay. independent, as he calls it, um, you know, look, I, I love that there's no holes barred. And I think what Ariel Helwani shown in the last few months is you don't want to get on the wrong side of him. You don't want to get on the wrong side of Hilwani. You know, he'll call you out. Uh, I've I've had the privilege of meeting Ariel a couple of times. Love him, you know. I'm I'm, I'm as long as, as well as pro wrestling, I'm a huge MMA yeah. fan. So you know, I've, I've I've followed his work for a long time. So um, you know, I think Ariel's great at what he does, and I think his his interviews he does for BT Sport, those sit downs, some of the best wrestling content out there. He he, we talk about the onion. He pulls that onion back to, to levels. Yeah. I don't think anyone else is getting right now.
3: Yeah, I, I mate. You know, I loved Obama work, so I love Barmer um uh, so you know you get you get you get it from Thanks, me well. I've, I've, I've been trying not to mark you know you know what i today mean? <laughs> I, I um I, I love barbara and it's just to say and obviously then you, you you've done a bit of bellator as well haven't you yeah so 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 i went uh so
0: bam and Bellator kind of sister promotions for a while and then uh when bam went by the way so bellator europe kind of launched and i i did some of the shows for them I got to do their Bellator 200 show over here as well, which is really Really? fun. I got to work with Maro, Maro um, Ronello was there. That was a cool time getting to meet Maro um, at 200. Um, Then yeah, been working, uh, got to work with the PFL, last year so yeah man it's it's uh, MMA it's it's um it's a it's a great sport to be involved in you know I know so many people in the industry um and seeing them grow you know, talk about the Bama day that was a, you know, a a big break for me when I when I got that show and so many of the competitors and even the,
3: you know behind the scenes people seeing yeah. them grow throughout the industry over the years is it's um it's a beautiful thing no, that's for um, and, and to be fair and I'm just be, you don't have to comment on this um you've worked with maro and he's not stormed off in a hissy fit so you must be good
0: <laughs> <laughs> now maro's great like, you look at what maro's doing yes he's man, he's calling the biggest fight yeah. I,
3: I i i you know i, I love maro i would actually love to see him on aw um but that's just my personal opinion
1: andy one final question here for you heading into like Class at the Castle, I was thinking, oh, hey, this would be a perfect time for them to sister it with a NXT UK takeover. And I was like, I didn't know the news of like the agreement between BBT B- Sports and WWE was ending. Do you feel like they should have done at least like, a swan song for you guys?
0: Well, I, I think when clash of the castle got announced everyone was like oh man do you think we'll get something do you think we'll get something and i think you know, i think a lot of people sometimes think that you know when you're working within the company you, you get a big insight into what's to come a lot of the times we don't like you know when dates are announced that's when a lot of us are finding out you know there's very little like hey guys in three months time we're gonna announce this thing it's like we find out when everyone else finds out but i think everyone everyone fantasy books don't they and when clash of the castle announced like man wouldn't it be cool if like on the thursday or the you know the friday or saturday day or whatever there was some some kind of nxt uk takeover or something or the sub, whatever so i think a lot of us would have loved it of course you know of course would have loved it um but as, we, as you got closer, obviously it wasn't gonna uh appear but I, you know i think i went to the clash and i thought it was an amazing yeah. event you know so um but yeah look, like of course of course would have loved to do something if anyone says hey do you want to do a big go somewhere of course the answer is yes yeah
1: well Amy, i want to say thank you for joining us on our show it was a privilege to have you go ahead and just plug your social networks for us and where we can find you next my friend
0: uh you can on my social stuff twitter instagram i've got a tiktok i'm not on there much but um yeah instagram and uh, twitter i'm at andy chef i got a website Andy Shep, the, the stuff on there. Just go have a look. I've got a podcast on there as well. So have a look. Uh, but yeah, look, you know, I'm, I'm. it's always, I, I love communicating with um, the fans. I've got to say, you know, of all the sports I do, the pro wrestling fans are the most passionate. And it's always great communicating because at the end of the day, we're all fans of, of this this art form, you know. So it's always great hearing from people and, and touching and base. And again, yeah, I'm not sure when this podcast is going out, but I'm due to be the Floyd Mayweather show uh, this Saturday against Aaron Chalmers. Um, and then, yes, yeah, some, some very cool things coming up. Um, in the next, in a, well, the short short term, which uh, follow me on the old socials. You'll find out about them.
1: Well, Andy, thank you once again, and Godspeed to you. Have a great rest of your year. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. Gentlemen, what do you think about the interview we just had with Andy Shepard? The guy is super humble, super great. It was a very entertaining hour of chat with Andy last week, David.
3: Yeah, well, and what we discovered is I'm nearly, nearly neighbors with him. But he was just a nice guy. Ultimately, he was just a nice guy. Even talking British show business offline as well, which was quite funny. And some of his experiences whilst trying to get a career within, if you like, almost British show business. He was just a top fella to talk to.
2: You guys did a tremendous job asking him some great questions and him talking about experience, his experiences on NXT UK. A Very, very intellectual to listen to from... So, Jim, let's go ahead and talk about this right now. What is your favorite memory from NCUK? Ooh, I mean... It's there's a ton, man. I think for me, it's like every time Walter is on the show, it just makes me it makes my eyes beam because like NXT UK, like like for several years, like it's been like neck and neck for me as as far as like my favorite show to the regular NXT. I think for me, hands down, my favorite match was on October 29, 2020. And that was during like the that was during the pandemic, like that was the peak of the pandemic it was it was the epic showdown between Walter and Ilya Dragonoff. and and yeah. considering considering that was an empty that was an empty soundstage and considering how you can you can feel Walter's chops and you get it chops from like like a like several thousand miles away but you can still you can still like feel it that it actually went went to your chest instead it, they they left it all in the ring for the UK title and and damn, it's like those both just knocked it out of the park. It was a slobber knocker, as we, as I tip my hat to Jim Ross, <laughs> on that. And the commentary team was just incredible with Andy there as well. So yeah, I mean that's like that's definitely my favorite moment.
3: Yeah, Andy talked about this, and I would echo that. I would also add in there, and again with regarding the interviews, it was interesting to see his role in this because he wasn't the commentator. I will always remember the, the 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 Blackpool weekend that kicked NXT UK off because it had me guessing of who who was going to win, and I I would have never picked Tyler Bate for that that particular weekend. And obviously, it was for me, it was always going to be about Pete Dunne, which it was, but they did it very cleverly. And I also that was a great weekend. And obviously, Andy was in the was ring announcing that weekend, and he he, he was talking to Sean. And and myself about you know his perils of learning to ring announce as well, but yeah no NXT UK was a great product, a great show, and Andy was quite surprised when Sean Sean and myself eulogised about how much that if you like traditional wrestling fans, loved it and it was their show of the week both this side and the other side of the pond, and that was that was nice to try and convey to him.
1: Well David, you know my favourite moment probably would have to be. Ginny versus KLR for the NFC no women's there. title. I kind of hate myself for not throwing this into the interview last week because we could have settled this little debate between me you about that one time when they had the gauntlet match and I accidentally didn't pick Ginny to win it and you just gave me all kind of hell for it.
3: To be fair, <laughs> to be fair, the interview went well. If we'd have mentioned Ginny at any point in that interview, you'd have just gone to pot thinking of Ginny. So it was probably a good thing that you didn't, Sean. Sure.
0: Okay,
1: well, I just want to throw that out there anyway, but <laughs> just saying.
3: Yeah, you you and Ginny are not a good combination.
0: It's time for the stunning six questions. All of the whys and what have they done now? Hopefully, Sean and David can make sense of it.
1: Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are sliding over to the stunning six questions this week. And gentlemen, let's see what stunning question number one has in store for you. Okay, gentlemen, I'm going back to AEW television from last week. And what in the world are they doing to Jungle Boy? This guy has a good look. He's pretty good in the ring. I feel like they want to make him a top level babyface. But boy, they don't know how
2: to book a top level babyface because they make him look like a dum dumb. I think that's an understatement. At this point, I just don't understand what they're trying to do. Because like if 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 this is going to be if if Jungle Boy, if they want him to be the the next top level babyface, they're just not doing a good job just showcasing it. Because look, they made him so stupid that this is my pet peeve about this is my pet peeve about modern wrestling. It, it's like you know today is wrestling and you know it's, it doesn't happen all the time but it's when baby faces are booked to be stupid like we've seen this a lot with johnny gargano unfortunately in in nxt but the thing is here is that you know we saw you know we we saw jack perry attacking christian from behind and you know like trying to and he brought out the two chairs trying to trying to give him a concerto and the thing is is that he just took his time just like rallying off the crowd the the crowd noise and he should have just been focusing on on christian it it took him like a few minutes before you know christian gave him the low blow it it was just it was just really bad and you know it's like i think i think this is like an overwhelming issue that i see about aew is that they they like to they like to give like you know potential baby faces and they like to put them into the cream of the top but they just don't give them they just don't maintain that momentum for them and they just book them in some random spots like oh it's like like with that too with with jungle boy and as well with with ricky starks in this in this weird kerfuffle with the uh, the, the jericho appreciation society so it's like hey like like they do a great job like you know with the heels like you know booking them with the heels but as far as like you know baby faces getting their getting getting their v- revenge it's just that it's so, it's just so like amateur level, second rate, minor league booking. It's just, it, I, I just don't get it at all.
3: But but Jake, 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 <laughs> you're talking about Meltzer's Booker of the Year. He's <laughs> no, you're up. Absolutely... No, we're
2: we're, talk, we're talking about a low bar here. I mean, we've seen yeah. Gato. We, we we've seen yeah, Gato win it so many years. Yeah. Though, uh, so yeah,
3: that, that's that's the point. That's like calling me. I win the Wrestling Observer newsletter for the oldest podcaster on Radio Free Professional Wrestling. There isn't <laughs> anyone else I'm up against. <laughs> you no, know, yeah, you're right. But no, Jungle Boy, you you actually summed it up in your in your statement there, Jake. And, and this is a point that they don't get. You he's a babyface, and he attacks the heel from behind. Babyfaces don't attack heels from behind. So you've got confusion there already because he's doing something dirty but they've shown consistently that they can't book baby faces properly he's another one he still can't promo he's got one of the worst promos in AEW yeah he's athletic he's got the build he's got the gimmick but they've dropped the ball you mentioned Ricky Starks Jake you bang on Build him up, give him a world title fight. He loses. Ah, oh, what should we do? We'll chuck him back in the lower mid card where he can have some confusing feud, feud rather than keeping him around the upper mid card so he's looking for another title shot. They have not got a clue how to book baby faces, and it lets the product and it lets the company down. Sean, I feel better now.
1: Well, hang on a second before we leave the topic here. Okay, I understand that they want to try and play jack perry as a conflicted baby face but if you look at everything that christian cage has done to him in the past six months he should be past this conflicted baby face stage and be to more of a piss off baby face stage and what they should have done was have him have that little moment of hesitation then just let him be like roman reigns being the
2: same we with that chair mm-hmm. yeah exactly like i just it's just, like, it's been going on for, like, s- such a while, Uh well, Christian bullying him. Like, at what point is that we're going to see that see that rage from, from Jungle Boy? They, they haven't really, like, executed that yet, so.
1: Okay, let's slide over to the second standing question. We're still talking about AEW TV. Tony Khan tweeted out, hey, tune in this Wednesday. I have a big freaking announcement.
3: <laughs>
1: Gentlemen, what do you think of said announcement, and did you feel sorry for Adam Cole like I did? Because I felt like he just pulled Adam Cole over and go like, hey, you guys like Adam Cole? Adam Cole, tell them what this, the, the announcement is.
2: You know, we did this as well when when we revealed that we're going to have Andy Shepard on the show. And uh, I think we did a much better job <laughs> doing, doing that type of announcement.
3: That load of old pony. That's all that's going to matter. Load of old pony and trap.
2: Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I mean, the the way that Tony, the way that TK, just like, oh, I have this great announcement to make, and I'll just hand it off to to Adam Cole, <laughs> just just to give it, yeah, just to give it all away. I mean, I don't know. I think I, maybe it's like TK didn't feel the confidence that he had when he like, and just felt like, oh, he he just felt a little nervous when he came out and announced the Forbidden Door or the or the Ring of Honor purchase. He's, it was it probably was probably like, seen the
3: first yeah. episode, knows it's a pile of shite.
2: <laughs> yeah probably yeah but yeah i mean as far as like adam cole i'm i'm happy that he's coming back in the ring but to have him just yeah, just yeah i'm happy that he's coming back to the ring but to have him announce this blockbuster announcement which turned out to be well pretty much like a like another copy of a roads to the top <laughs> which like we we've seen before oh
3: good well, yeah, if it's as good as that, Jake, we're in for a treat.
2: Yeah, like, like we're in for a treat and all that. And hey, the thing is, is that this is the thing is, is that this is coming after when when Power Slap is done. So this is coming after uh, Dynamite Dynamite on the on the 10 p.m. slot. So I don't know, like, I'm curious how it's going to going to look. But uh, to consider this like a blockbuster announcement, this is just far (laughs) from it. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's like. Tony Khan just keeps doing this and saying that he's gonna have like he's gonna have a a major announcement when 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 there's a couple things like we haven't heard we haven't heard a a release date yet for the for the video game we we haven't heard like when are we gonna when AEW is gonna have some shows in the UK like there there's some some other like newsworthy stuff that is that people will want to hear about soon and to have that is just like
3: pretty under it's it's just very underwhelming. (laughs) You just mentioned it, Jake. Tony Khan, the businessman, he only has to look at Clash at the Castle and the way the SmackDown and Money in the Bank ticket sales have gone over here. He books Wembley Arena. He, Jesus, he could book. He could probably get away with book, booking a small outdoor stadium. We, as a wrestling audience over here, would clamour for them. Looking at 1PW, what they've done in the last couple of weeks with, and I know we're still hoping to get Mr. Gauntley on here, with really, really expensive ticket prices. And I mean really expensive ticket prices. But he sold them. You can't knock the bloke. He sold them. The British public want top-quality professional wrestling over here. And Khan is missing a trick by not coming. He really, really is. That's it. I'm done.
1: Well, my thing is, like, I feel like he's got this script now where he goes, like, okay, way for me to draw ratings to AEW Dynamite is, oh, hey, let me tweet out, I got an announcement. It doesn't matter what this announcement is. He thinks it's going to get that rating for that last quarter hour whenever he comes on and does the announcement. He's going to run into a problem one day where people are going to get tired of and go, like, you know what? I don't need to see Tony and do this announcement. I'll just wait till tomorrow to see it on Twitter or whatever. It's it's pretty much reached that point now. So, <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, gentlemen, we are sliding over to stunning question number three because over the weekend, we saw the end of an era as Kiki Mudo, the great Muda, had his last match against Naito, and he also called in Chono and had a little things with Chono to call it a day for his career. What is the legacy of the great Muta and Keiji Moto
2: I mean, with Keiji Muto, he's, he was absolutely like, for me, like when I got introduced to Japanese wrestling, he was one of the first wrestlers I ever saw. saw when I look back to when I first dove into the world of Japanese wrestling and some of the great matches against sting the legendary matches against sting that he had and how great of a worker that he was back in that new back in that uh, in that new in that uh, new japan period in the in the late 80s and early 90s so it's like it's leaving behind uh, and watching these final matches of him is 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 pretty nice and hey the way that he came out and that that final entrance last week last week in pro wrestling noah it's like one of the the best one of the best ever produced things that i have ever seen and to see him to see him come out like that. I was like, that's dude, that's the one badass entrance that he had. So yeah, he's leaving one hell of a legacy in, in the world of professional wrestling.
3: Uh, I'd echo everything Joe says, nothing wild apart from you make a Mount Rushmore of Japanese wrestling, he's one of the first that goes in. End of
1: okay. So my first experience with the great ludic and KT moto was actually in WCW when he came over there in the late 80s, early 90s. And even at that point, this guy was decades ahead of what professional wrestling was in the States at the time because we never saw a moonsault like that or a mm-hmm. guy just going balls to the wall. And it gets me to think now, could you imagine a prime KG Moodle slash great Moodle in today with all the talent that could probably hang with him better? It would be insane. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> And we can't, we can't go away from this question without mentioning the great fuse that he had with and Finder Liger. If you want to see some great Japanese wrestling, KG Moodle versus Jusen Finder Liger. There you go. You need to look it up on YouTube and have some fun.
2: Yeah. A couple of great matches in New Japan world, especially with Liger as well. And obviously you can't go wrong with the with the sting matches that he had. And I thought it was a very good with, as far as like, you know, the, great mood of the character him him teaming up with darby and sting that's like <laughs> that's like one 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 awesome thing that he did there so yeah i mean props props to keiji muto and uh, and uh, and yeah what a great place he, he left behind
1: okay jim remember moving over to our fourth study question of the week, and david tweeted at me right before i was I thinking i was at work he was talking about how icw Square Circle Go was being freaking good, and he saw the best women's match he's seen in a long time. And we're talking about the ICW Women's Championship match between Rio and Molly Spartan, and it had one hell of a spot. David, this spot made me jump out of my bed.
3: Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I, I, it is, it is the best women's match I've seen in a very very long while molly spark the champion rio over here this is the uk rio she's from preston in the northwest of england she she's more than paid her dues around british companies her gimmick is she's double hard for those that you know i.e she can't no matter what she to quote the Shawn michaels uh, gimmick she she'll take a licking and keep on ticking and I, the garage in Glasgow is a venue that I've visited many, many times and know it like the back of my hand. Great, intimate little venue for professional wrestling. The crowd are on top of the the, the ring. That is, some of them are standing, some of them are seated. They let their feelings known. It's an adult product, and the crowd in their chants will. Well, the commentator is known as who's a Scottish comedian, a bit like a young Billy Connolly, is known as Billy Effin Kirkwood. And he commentates as such. But anyway, long story short, Molly Spartan, who looks a little bit like Viper, Dewdrop, if you will, whatever you want to call her. It was the champion going into this. And I didn't expect a title change here, I'll be honest. Anyway, they, told, they gave him plenty of time. They told a really hard-hitting story in the ring, but there was a spot where they fought outside the ring and literally did a tour of the venue. Now, this is also a rock venue by night. So, again, I've been up there many times to see, I've seen Alkaline Trio in that that venue, Sugar Cult, New Found Glory, amongst many other bands. And they went up into the balcony, and Molly Spartan set Rio up to go off the balcony. Now, I looked as the camera pan back, there was no one. Where normally for balcony spots you have a table, you have something there to to break. Obviously, the individuals fall. There was one security guy who, to be fair, didn't look one of the youngest or fittest guys there. But she went off the balcony and landed into the ring apron. And there was one bloke there, and it was a spot. Oh, well, okay. Oh, she's all right because it was one of those that made you question. Uh, is this going to be the end of the match? It wasn't. She landed right. She took it okay. They got back in the ring and still told the story for about another 10 minutes. It was a brilliant, brilliant women's match. I'm very critical of some ladies and women on here, only because I want to see the best possible wrestling. No other reason. This was the best possible wrestling, and it was match of the night.
1: You know, David? Rio has been doing a lot of work with Progress Wrestling, and she's been tearing up there. And Molly Spartan has been a fisher in ICW during their pandemic, no fans era. So I was kind of happy to see both of them have this match where they had a decent sized crowd and it was hot as hell. And it's well worth your 14 bucks on Fight TV to go back and watch this.
3: Yeah, one of the good things is they announced during live during the show, Obviously, since ICW and Progress have been released, what shall we say, by the WWE Network. Quite an interesting crowd chunk towards the WWE during this show. I'll leave it to your imagination. Um, The guys are now going to be permanently on Fight TV. So if you can get Fight TV, you will see the weekly product. The Weekly Fight Club products, which now is recorded in their training school, which is called The Asylum, which is in the north of Glasgow, north of the city. And those shows will be up. It's like their regular weekly show. And the pay per views, the big shows, which I don't know when the next one is off the top of my head, but they're going to be available for a reasonable price. I have to say I paid a reasonable price for fight TV for this UK wise. And it was, it was worth the money. It was an entertaining show.
2: I was about to say that, uh, do you think they're in a bet uh, that ICW and uh, some of the other, some of the other promotions are, are in a better spot right now that now that they're not in the WWE network and they're in a, and they're in a more like, you know, bigger, like, like somewhat like similar platform on fight TV. (laughs)
3: The problem is for me, it's obviously not knowing what the WWE paid the respective companies to put their shows on, Jake. But Mark Dallas, when he announced this, there was quite a joke. There was there was quite a, an off the off script funny moment in that Mark came out and announced it. The crowd had a derogatory WWE chant, shall we say. <laughs> and and Mark Mark Dallas, the owner, tried to calm him down and said, "No, lads, no, we don't need this going out. The WWE still owe me money," which got a, got a, a, a royal laugh, and it was quite funny if you saw it live. <laughs> that's why I think Fight TV is perfect. I don't. Progress seem to be going back to their own on demand service, which I personally, my opinion, I don't think that's the best for them. I think Fight is a good a good template for any British wrestling company because it's accessible. It's accessible to the UK. So I think it will do ICW well. And Dallas, Mark Dallas seemed pleased with his deal. Let's put it like that, Jake.
2: Yeah. The best thing about Fight TV is that they're now introducing more of a monthly and annual subscription so you don't have to pay the pay-per-views like outright. So like like for for here in the US, it's only $7.99 a month. And for even that as well, like not just the not just that's like for for the entire WrestleMania bundle. Like if you got all all the indies for GCW, impact, like you can get those, you can get those in a in a in a perfectly good bundle and is affordable.
3: Yeah, over here it's called Fight Plus and I can't remember what I... I, I've got it, and I can't remember what I pay for it, but it's not a lot. Yeah, Fight Plus, yeah. It's not a Mm plot. And and on top of that, I also pay for... uh, I, I pay two small prices to fight once a month, which is AEW Plus and Fight Plus. Fight Plus gives me a lot of the stuff that you just described and AEW plus gives me every AEW TV show live as, as it goes out. And then I just pay for the big shows like I'm paying for revolution this weekend.
1: Yeah, Awesome. Okay. Gentlemen, speaking of AEW revolution, one match that's not going to be on that card is happening tonight is the face of the revolution ladder match. (laughs) And gentlemen,
2: who's coming out of this match as the face of the revolution? This will be an interesting match. My heart, for me, my heart goes to Kenosuke Takeshida, but I think in my head it was probably going to say, probably going to see Sammy Guevara come out as the winner. But I would love to see, you know, Takeshida continue to have to write off the, the momentum that he has.
3: <laughs> yeah, I agree with that 100%. I don't think, it's, I don't, unless Ricky Stark suddenly enters it or something, but I think he's he's already tied up for the pay per view. But yeah, I agree with Jake's bang on there.
1: You know, Jake, you had a great point there. I was hoping that contention might be the person, just in case you have MJF coming out as your champion still. But if you flip that coin around and you need a heel to face a babyface Daniel Then I would say you're right, that Sami would be the perfect choice. Okay, my sixth and final studying question for you guys. We are a day away from the relaunch of Ring of Honor's Honor on Demand service. Yes. Are we looking forward to this?
2: Well, for me, for me, absolutely. I've always wanted to see more of the the classic archives from Ring of Honor, so I'm probably going to subscribe by myself. And I know that uh, I think uh, the first ever Ring of Honor show in in 2002 is going to be on there that I that I saw in some tweets. So yeah, I mean, it's like classic matches from from Joe, from CM Punk, and obviously like Joe Joe versus Kobashi. <laughs> I, I can I can watch that a million times again.
3: Now I got caught out because I was queuing to subscribe. You, you gentlemen know my love of, of ROH, and I've been not disappointed, but working my way through the back catalogue of what's on there. Now, this may be a UK thing as well, and it might be different in the US. Some of my favourite shows are not on there, like Glory By Honor 8, which was Danielson and Danielson versus McGuinness at the main event before they left. And went their respective ways. It was also the return of Jim Cornette. It was in the Hammerstein as well. And yeah. It was also the return of Jim Cornet. Austin Aries was the champion. It's just a fantastic top to bottom wrestling. I think Kenny Omega is on his is, is first match on. Do you know what I mean? It's jerking the curtain. That's how good a yeah. card it is. But anyway, that wasn't on there. But fortunately, I've got the DVD being a badger. So don't like the war with CCW is not on there at the moment. I think the Cage of Death matches, but the whole war of mm. with CCW, which is one a seminal Ring of Honor moment for me, and that Cornette versus Zandig promo battle is to be seen, has to be seen, to be believed because obviously they genuinely hate each other as well, but they were doing it for business. Yeah, am I looking forward to it? Absolutely. The reports coming out of the spoilers of the matches are that the tapings were absolutely superb and every match is, you know, they've re- it's, it's like pay-per-view quality. So, and looking at what they're leading up to, I'm not going to go into too many spoilers, but looking what they're leading up to with the ROH title, possibly for Supercard of Honour, Wetted my appetite and really, really did wet my appetite. And I've also got to say, oh, Zach Saber Jr. Oh, <laughs> Zach Saber Jr. And my time here is done. ZSJ is, is
2: good. By the way, that you mentioned you mentioned the CZW ROH feud. I, that's like in history. I think that's like one of the, the only invasion angles that actually worked, David.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think one of the, the the best things of that is they had they had bleachers where you actually had genuine CCW fans come to into Ring of Honor House. And, and, and almost like have a football game type atmosphere with home and away fans. and some of it is just just wonderful with the wrestlers actually being play, able to play off their respective fan bases in in some of the buildings. but yeah i I don't regret any penny for the the ring of honor and the ring of honors on the app.
2: And as I recall, like Danielson was a, was a full-blown heel at that time. He and was. He, and and
3: yeah. the story in that of Danielson, of them trying to recruit Danielson, and Danielson actually turning his back on Ring of Honor during it, and the saviour was from an unlikely source, yeah. which was Homicide. Yeah, it, um, it was so
2: surreal to hear the crowd chant "Shut the fuck to" <laughs> to Danielson. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah, like yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. The, the best thing that I've ever seen. And to hear, I think it was like a moment when I think Danielson was tra- was referring to a, a little girl in the audience, and it's like, and it's like, I think I think the little girl like gave flipped the bird to Danielson back, and then the crowd was chanting, "Oh, she's hardcore, she's yeah. hardcore." And then and then Danielson <laughs> replied back, "I'm gonna punch her in the face. I'm gonna give her a back slap." Just just like her mother
3: <laughs> it was like
2: one of the, the the first moments I saw Danielson and it was one of the so things funny that was that.
3: Made me love him so much with that and then this is the same era he resurrected and, and I mean resurrected a British football chant that we'd not heard since the real hooligan days of the 70s and 80s yep. which yep. was you're going home in an effing ambulance which <laughs> you which home fans would sing to away fans and then wait for them outside the ground to give them a kick in, genuinely. And it was the horrible days of football in the UK in the 70s when the hooligan element and firms really properly existed. And that you get that chant in the ground. And Danielson found that and used it, and used it so well. So well, yeah. Was it you're going to get your head kicked in? Was that also a football yes, chant too? yeah, both of them. Yeah, you're going home in an effing ambulance, you're going to get your effing head kicked in. Both of them were used on the terraces, and it was the days of the British football terraces. I, But, yeah, Danielson genuinely, cleverly picked those two chants up and used them well. Sorry, Sean, I'm done Well,
1: you know, we did a retrospective on said event there between CCW and Ray Honor. If you want to listen to that, just look in our back catalog here and I'll link it in our show notes for this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, that was your study six questions for this week on Radio Free Professional Wrestling. It is time for the main event as we decide who gets to face the quote unquote The Churchill Cup champion, Randy, at WrestleMania. Gentlemen, let's decide who faces Randy as we decide who's going to win these matches at AEW Revolution. I'm going to start with the first match here. We're going to the six-man tag match that this guy announced this past Friday on Rampage, as it's the House
2: of Black versus the Elite. Jake, we're going to let you have the
1: first pick. Who do you have here? I think it's
2: a clear cut with the elite winning here. I mean, unfortunately, the House of Black. I haven't been a huge fan of as far as like their promos late promos lately, and I, I just don't know what it is. I mean, look, like Alekai Black, Alistair Black. Like he is such a talented individual, but as far as like like these these supernatural backstage segments of. Uh, you know the the outer universe or the 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 multiverse or whatever he's talking about the dark the dark symphony and yeah you know it's uh, <laughs> yeah so as much as like you know the the elite are polarizing figures but you know as as far as like I I don't see much of a chance for the house of black unfortunately
3: yeah I agree I'm going with the elite for those reasons
1: okay so David you're taking the, you're taking the elite as well yep okay I'll be the one to go out on the limb here. Let me represent the House of Black, and I will select House of Black to beat the Elite. All right. Okay, gentlemen, let's go up to Ricky Starks versus Trish Jericho. Now, the caveat here is the Jericho Appreciation Society is banned from ringside, and what else did we think was in that contract that Chris Jericho signed but didn't read? I don't
2: think we didn't hear much of it outside of that, really. (laughs) Okay, Jake, who are you picking here? Are you taking Chris Jericho or are you taking Ricky Starks? I mean, if they don't... If if it's not going to be Ricky Starks, then I then pretty much give up on this. So it's like pretty much the the so pretty much the the boat has been sailed. Pretty much so, I I'm but I, I'm I think I'm more confident that Ricky Starks is going to finally come out of the shell of the feud of the JAS.
3: Yeah, I agree. Starts to win with Jericho getting his heat back after the match when JAS could come back, come down the ringside and kick the snot out of Starks for winning. Okay, Jimin.
1: If Ricky Sartre doesn't win this match, he just needs to show up at WrestleMania weekend, either at Stand and Deliver or on night one of WrestleMania and go like, hey, can you sign me? Because this other company doesn't know what the hell to do with me.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You're right.
1: Okay. Let's slide up to Samoa Joe versus Warlow for the AEW TNT title championship. Jimin, did we see a change here or does Samoa Joe continue his rant here? I'll let you go first, David.
3: I'm gonna go. Yeah, I do see a change. I think Ward. I mean, Wardlow has to win this again. Wardlow has to win this, so I'm gonna go with Wardlow. I yeah. like Joe, but Wardlow has to win this. Otherwise, again, they're wasting talent. Yeah,
2: as much as I love Joe, I mean, Wardlow's the young guy here, and for him to, if the, if the crowd still wants to back him, he he has to go over, or it's or else it's gonna be you know another drop the ball, another like ball drop ball dropper here as far as like the booking is concerned. You know what,
1: gentlemen? I agree with you because it's just like Ricky starts. If you don't go with World now, you might as well just des- decided not to sign him to another contract. Because I mean, I like Samoa Joe just like all you guys do. I feel like Samoa Joe's a great wrestler, but right now we need to rehab this Warlord character, make him back into the killer that he was right before that match with MJF. So I'll take Warlord to re to get his TNT title
2: back. The thing about like Wardlow, is that uh, why do they still have security guys uh, try to try to clobber him? Yeah. <laughs> it's like they have to be the, the stupidest group of security guards that I've probably ever seen. I mean, Did like, dude, give me dude, yeah, dude, it's like my freaking my freaking <laughs> college security is much more. It's like much smarter than this. <laughs>
1: You know, Jake, if I was one of those people, I'll just look at Tony Khan like, "Thanks for the money," but I'm going to the answer.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, gentlemen, we are going up to John Motsley versus Heyman, Adam Page in a Texas Death Match, and I think there's a theme oh, here at Revolution. Is like there's a certain pick that should happen, or why do you <sighs> have this person in the company? So, David, Jake, who wants to go first here? I'll let Hold David on. go first,
3: so he can well, so he can let thanks, it let us vent it out. Thanks, so, <laughs> thanks, my. Meltzer's Wrestler of the Year versus Hangman Adam Page in a Texas Let's Bleed A Lot match. <laughs> oh, wow. Well. well, Page has got to win it. He's got to. He's <laughs> surely got to. Again, under Wardlow-Starks syndrome, he's got to win it. Otherwise, Tony. But it is, it's It's just, oh. As Cornette calls him, the balding plumber. And he is. He's just, I mean, I've got no problem with Moxley as such. He's got, he, he, you know, when when the Punk issue happened, irrelevant feelings at Punk, he stepped up. But I just don't like him. I don't like his style. I don't, I'd like to see him wrestle a match. I don't want to see this GCW style. I really, really don't. I know there's a lot of people that like it. It's just not for me. But I'm going to go for Paige and it'll be horrible.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with Paige too. You know, like John Moxley, you know, bless him. And the thing is, the thing about Moxley is that, you know, it's, it's his forte, but I just rather want to see him, what he does, like, dude, like he, like when he comes out of his comfort zone, like in blood sports, when he like faced against like, you know, guys like Minoru Suzuki, I mean, that's what I most like to see him more as like, you know, like more, you know, more like traditional brawling and more submission to his game. But yeah, I mean, like (laughs) it just, it's going to be a, it's going to be such a cluster the cluster this match and i'm pretty sure this match is unfortunately is going to be very going to be pretty significant too as far as a, as far as time goes
1: <laughs> okay jimmy i'm going to be different here. i'm going to take john moxley because that's aew booking for you i feel like even though that hayman <laughs> adam page ought to win this match aew booking is going to let john moxley have this victory here somehow some way
3: Jake could be rather to be fair that's a fair argument
1: Okay, gentlemen, we're on to the dance mask. It's the four way for the AEW World Tag Team Championship as we have the Gun Brothers versus the Acclaim versus the team Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett, plus a unknown team that will be decided tonight during the Revolution Casino Battle Royal Second Chance Tag Team Battle Royal. <laughs> <Beijing>. <laughs> yeah. So, gentlemen, who comes out of the
2: Revolution as your AEW Tag Team Champions? Unfortunately, I. I don't know why I have this, uh, this distinction here, distinction here, but I do. I think that the guns are going to retain this, as much as I hate to say it, <laughs> uh, because yeah, as much as I hate to say it, because like I, like as far as like you know, swarmy heels that they are, and maybe I, I'd rather see you know the guns like face another match, just just a one on one tag match with the acclaimed. So, but like this, this might be a lot of smoke and mirrors as far as this match goes.
3: I've got two schools here, and bear with me. I've seen a report on the dirt sheets and this will depend on what happens at dynamite tonight right if aussie open turn out to be that fourth tag team i expect them to win it because i've seen reports that they're looking at putting their titles on aussie open i don't know how true that is it was a reasonable dirt sheet however if it's not aussie open i like jake expect the guns to win it and i think we get the billy gun turn to in the show where he turns on the acclaimed and helps his sons. And because we haven't seen tonight's dynamite and I'm going to be gutted. If Ozzy Open end up in this match, I'm going to pick the guns.
1: Okay. So I'm going to go out on live here. I'm going to say the acclaimed runs through these other three tag teams and it might be Ozzy Open. Heck, it might be FTR. Now, if it's FTR, they better put the titles on FTR or I don't know what you're thinking. They should either be FTR or the acclaimed coming out of the revolution as your tag team champions. I do feel like the Gun Brothers can handle not having a long reign here. they will add more fire to their hill run. And maybe just maybe they'll try to bring their dad back into the collective. And that way, down the road, you have all three guns together as a hill faction
2: going after these tag titles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that can make sense. I really hope it can be FTR as far as it's four team. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, but they have to they
3: have to go over. So,
2: (laughs) yeah.
3: will the books allow it? Yeah,
2: will the books will the bookers allow it? So that's the thing, though. Here's a possibility that it's probably gonna it's probably gonna be far outreaching and probably not going to happen. Could we see a chance that we'll see the Hardy Boys maybe come back during this period? Be good
3: because Jeff's clear, he? yeah, Jeff's clear. So (laughs) oh, Jay.
1: Okay, Jake, I like where your head is, but personally it's too soon and I don't want to see it just yet. I don't want I want Jeff Hardy to be in the right mindset. I want Jeff Hardy just to have some time away from professional wrestling. If it's better for him to be away from professional wrestling and have a better life, I'm all for that.
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, absolutely. And I think I well look. i think thinking back at now. You know, Matt Hardy's kind of in this weird delectum with with a Stokely and and Ethan Page. So, well, who's um,
3: Matt? Is it who's Matt got tonight on Dynamite? Matt's, oh. on, Matt's on Dynamite tonight, isn't he? For a title match, which I don't think he's winning, but Matt, I'm sure Matt's on Dynamite tonight. He's facing against Hook tonight. That's it. Yeah. For the FTW, That's for good. the FTW Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which obviously I don't think that's going to change hands, but we could, you know, it's a chance to get Matt over more face as a face again. But anyway, sorry. Go on, Sean. Two more.
1: Okay. So I'm going to go to the what they decided to be a three way match for the AEW Women's World Championship, where really honestly, it should have been just a single match between Soraya and Jamie Hager. But we have Ruby Soho versus Soraya versus Jamie Hager. If Hager doesn't walk out here as the AEW Women's Champion. I'm gonna freaking write by myself.
2: Jamie Hater retains. Like, I uh, there's, there's nothing else can be nothing else can be said really. So if it, 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 it if that's not the case, then you know they 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 really they they I need some of their uh, some of some of the coca that the coke <laughs> that some of them are
0: <laughs> taking yeah. allegedly Alleged,
3: allegedly allegedly <laughs> yeah they have has to retain. Soraya has been a a million disappointment, really, really has Soho. No, Hater retains, and they build towards Hater at Brick later on. So um, let's, yeah, let's discuss this a little bit
2: with with Soraya. I just don't know what she's trying to do. I mean, like, like they, they, we, she just tried so hard to put over, you know, to be, to be presented as a baby face. But the thing is, is that she just tries to present herself as that, oh, I'm from the WWE and, and, and I'm better than these women. And as like, oh, I'm a superstar. And I, I just don't understand what she's trying to get at as far as her promos. It's like, it's, it, and, and unfortunately she can't back it up in the ring. So like, it's been like a, like I was so looking forward to, to this run for Soraya and it, it's just it's just so incredibly disappointing to see how how much she has to like devolve herself into my
3: yeah yeah for, yeah for me it's it's almost personal because world of world association wrestling the company she grew up with lives just up the road from me that i know i've met the knight family on many many occasions all of them including soraya she was i'm gonna try and put this nicely, was hugely, hugely talented, hence the initial page that we saw in the WWE. What's gone wrong, I really, really don't know, but it's certainly not the girl I've seen grow up and develop into being a world world stage professional wrestler. And what she's producing at the moment for AEW is poor, both in the ring and on mic. So I, I fear for this match. I fear for Hater, who's a talent, Hopefully, Ruby and Hater can gel and Soraya can find some semblance, some semblance of ring losing the ring rust, but Hater to retain. It's, uh, you know, it, it it's, you know, it will be what it is.
1: You know, honestly, when I'm looking back over the last six months of, of seeing Soraya in AEW, I feel like they signed her and they really didn't have a plan. They're like, ooh, she's bevel. She's ready to come back. Let's sign her up. And they literally didn't have a good idea. They debuted her. She had that promo where she was trying to be a babyface, but man, that was a hill promo. I just wish they would decide which side of the coin she was going to be on and just let her be her.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Okay, gentlemen, we have one one match left here to preview, and it's for the AEW World Tunnel Match. It's a 60-minute Iron Man match. It's between MJF, the devil himself, and the American
2: Dragon, Brian Danielson gentlemen yeah i mean i i gotta say that look we we look as far as mjf like i think this is we're gonna we're gonna see mjf shine as the wrestler because like we've seen we've seen him done like done tremendous stuff in the ring with small matches especially his match against darby last year and how in as as gifted as he is as far as like a character a villain as a promo guy he, he's very, to me, he's very under, underrated as an actual wrestler. And he can, he can do, yeah, he can do actual technical wrestling too. And, and I'm really looking forward to this match. And, and as far as like, you can't go wrong with danielson obviously so i think this is the the moment where mjf shines as a as an actual wrestler and people are gonna have his doubts about him but i think he's gonna prove people wrong in this match so and yeah as far as far as that but i do i I think it's right now it's it's too early to take the title to take the belt off mjf because he's just so he's just so hot right now and and especially when, when last week when, and last week on Dynamites, that tremendous promo session, the promo battle between, between him and Danielson, and just talking about the story about just being such a man, such an asshole and mentioning his kids. I mean, yeah, that finally, that, that finally got me to to buying the pay-per-view so like like before that's like I wasn't sure if, I wasn't sure of it but you yeah, know they finally convinced me as of last week so yeah I mean I, I'm pretty sure there's gonna be one hell of a of a slobber knocker as Jim Ross likes to put it
3: yeah I'm going to MJF there has to be MJF I think Sean that means you'll need a tiebreaker for me and Jake because I think we've agreed on every every match on the card but I'll let you just <laughs> quickly check it's interesting what you just said that last piece Jake with regarding Buying the buying the show, I I'd purchased it a few weeks ago. But I, I I actually thought about whether I'm going to buy this one or not. I bought every single one that they've done so far, be it the early days on ITV box office, and then when they moved to fight, having the fight. This is out this out. has
2: been like as far as like in history, this has been their their weakest build to a pay per view. I mean, yes. that's 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 one of the that's that's one overwhelming issue that i kind of had to this yeah. like you know like i love i still love the weekly programming but it's just that you know trying to build it, trying to build up to a pay-per-view they haven't necessarily done a great job as of you know so far yeah, 100%, like
3: 100% and you mentioned the weekly programming the weekly programming ironically it'd be interesting to see tonight's show i think the weekly programming has been some of their poorest stuff over the last 3 to 4 weeks they need a big one tonight to get to get bums on seats but however i bought it and we will see
1: yeah you know you know gentlemen my pick for this match is going to be the american dragon brian downson just for the simple fact that i feel like it might drive mjf into this insane hill character that he's trying to make himself into now i can see you guys being right and mjf coming on next week's episode of Dynamite tv going like all you freaking people who said i couldn't wrestle you fought the American Dragon was your saber. Look at your saber now. I outwrestled that stupid loser, and I'm still your AEW world champion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Question for,
3: you, question for you two guys, right? And we're hypothesizing here, but it's a big one because it's harder one side or harder than the other. If MJF does win, and I genuinely think he will, who do you see as his next challenger? If it's Danielson, there's a whole plethora you could pick. But with MJF, it's less obvious. So who would you say MJF does triumph? All right, they could do a rematch. They could do a Danielson rematch, which gives them a bit of breathing space. But who do you see could be the next genuine babyface challenger for MJF?
1: You know, I got a crazy feeling that they might try Warlow if MJF keeps this title. And I'd be like, I'm not sure I want to see that since you guys didn't do well the first time around. My heart would say Ricky Starks because I, you guys, is freaking talented. If he ain't had a world title shot, a legit world title shot, it should be this guy beating the baby face chasing MJF. Can yeah, I,
2: yeah, hands, yeah, hands down. I would love to see a Ricky Starks. I, maybe down the line, I would love to see can also see a Takeshita because I'm <laughs> you know me, I love Takeshita. I have that chance so maybe down the road as well. So, but yeah, it's so interesting that like we we talk about like. The way they book baby faces, and it's like it's much less obvious now, you know, outside of Ricky Starks, and it's kind of unfortunate it has it has reached this point. So,
3: okay. right, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a couple of scenarios here, gents. I, I, both those points are well well thought out. Wardlow, bang on, Sean. You've got a natural storyline, but this time instead of getting uh, his backside smashed, MJF goes over either by hook or by cook, by cheating, but he beats Wardlow because Wardlow has got the win over him. You've got the history there. So you've got a natural storyline, even if it's for a short period of time. I think Ricky Starks, the bolt has been shot. Don't get me wrong. I agree with the pair of you and he is a natural, you know, and I'd love to have seen him not been treated the way he's been. We talked about it earlier in the show, but I don't think it starts. I'm going to put a name and it's not a name I want to put in there. And I'm going to put a name in there. They lose the three way titles, and Kenny goes against MJF. I, hmm. be honest, part of me wants to see that. Mm. That
2: that's <laughs> I can see your thinking there, David. Like like a part of me does want to see that as well,
3: actually. <laughs> and that could that could Kenny's a star, whether we like it or not. Bearing in mind, there's this hubbub going around with him. Is he going to resign? Is he going to go to the WWE? Stick Mm -hmm. him in the title match. Bring him to the forefront. It would put intrigue people. MJF has got so much to work with him on promos there. With -hmm. him going and coming and going. You think of those potential promos. Sean, what do you think?
1: You know, David, you put this match in my mind. I'm just sitting here playing it through my head. Can you imagine a world where MJF defeated the American Dragon and Kenny Omega in the same year? Can you imagine exactly. what kind of heat yeah. that MJF could use for that every time he comes to cut a promo? Like, for all you people who think, I can't wrestle, I defeated the American Dragon, I defeated the guy with the one wing angel. Who you yeah. got left for me?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Tony, when you're ready, I'll join your booking committee. Whenever <laughs> you want, I'll sort your problems out. And I don't even take the white stuff that, that, that you know, the, the marshmallows <laughs> that, that Jake was referring me, to earlier. Yeah.
2: Maybe and maybe maybe the culmination is CM Punk returning and ha- finally having that one on one match know. Is
3: with. do not coming back, yeah. yeah. Because obviously one on one
2: match with MJF, yeah, the, title. the
3: Well, I tell you what, you think about it. We, we run about them dropping the trip, the trio titles. Who better to come bring back FTR and CM Punk has been much muted versus Kenny and the books. Then they drop the titles. Kenny and the books drop the titles, leaving Kenny at a loose end to go after MJF. Sure. Okay. Um, late. I've just sorted my wrestling year out. Yeah, you got a full year of booking, like ahead of you. Tony, like, come on, come here. I'm here. Like why not you like weren't you like I've, got pos- bu- I've got my <laughs> posse to take advice from. Like, were not you
2: booking in the UK right now, man?
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You do a hell of a job, man. Yeah. I'll give Dallas a ring. I'll give my Dallas
2: a ring in it.
1: Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that has been your AEW Revolution Preview here on Ready Free Professional Wrestling. And before we go, let's do a little quick admin here because I do have something special coming up in a couple of weeks here on Ready Free Professional Wrestling. As I have reached out to the guys at 6 Win Media, Matt and Chris, and we're putting together a NCAA tournament style bracket of the best WrestleMania matches. And we're going to try to decide what is the greatest WrestleMania match ever. Ever, gentlemen, I just laid this on you. Why is your match
2: on top of your head that is the greatest WrestleMania match?
3: Ooh,
2: ooh. ooh. that's a that's a great one for me. Well, probably since like it because you know, as for me, it's I was 12 years old when it happened. I would, I would, I would say for me, it's Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels the first match at WrestleMania 25.
3: Off the top of my head, and I'm gonna say this and then think of about half a dozen more, but for me, flat Shawn Michaels in the I I love you, I'm sorry, retirement match that wasn't a retirement match.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's definitely there. If we're going to say top three, I'll say Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 25. I'll say Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Bret Hart at yeah. WrestleMania 13. That'll be my number two. Yeah,
3: that's a good shout.
2: And number three, I'm probably going to say... Man, I hate to say it, but I'm going to say Chris Benoit versus Triple H versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 20.
3: Yeah, just because of his legacy. You, yeah, you're looking at the you're looking at the quality of the wrestler, not the person in the ring.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's like it was, and that triple threat was one hell of a hell of a yeah, great you know, match. I, in, I can in, see that. I can see yeah. that,
3: Jay. You don't have to excuse yourself there. Yeah. You know, you're you're picking it for the right reasons and not because of the individual. How about you, oh. Shawn? <laughs>
2: Okay, so
1: Jake, I'm right there with you, but you need the complete story. So you need Shawn Michael versus the Taker at 25 and 26. Now, I talked to Matt and Chris already. One of the ground rules here is that set of matches between Taker and Shawn, that's one complete match in our tournament. So, ladies and gentlemen, what I need from you guys is to go over to (laughs) RadioFreePW.com. message us. Give us your greatest WrestleMania match. Give me a reason why it is the greatest WrestleMania match. Or go over to Twitter at radio free Pw and do the same thing and David and Jake we have eight slots to fill as the side of the bracket as known as radio free professional wrestling what? has eight matches now the six win media also has eight matches we'll narrow it down just like the NSA tournament it'll be one match from six win media one match for radio free professional wrestling and there's only one winner that could be the greatest wrestling match of all time hey
0: <laughs>
1: but with that being said Jake and David where can we find you on the super information super Highway
2: thank you for having me guys again and if you want to hear my takes on anything sports wrestling or my sad takes or my or me mourning about Patrick Kane leaving the Chicago Blackhawks you can follow me at Jake oinar on Twitter and at jakeolinar.mp4 on Instagram. And you can continue to hear my complaining and venting about this anymore. However, I might follow Patrick Kane to the Rangers anyway and see him see him in Artemi Panarin win one more Stanley Cup to add to his resume.
3: I'm on D Brightly, at D Brightly 6 on the Twitter. It's more commonly known as Big Duds. David J. Brightly on Facebook. And please find the Saturday Sport with me, David Brightley, more Music Radio, please give that a like and follow. Although I don't cover professional wrestling, I cover in-depth UK sport live on Saturday afternoon from 3 till 5. And I love your company. Anyone, anyone and everyone. And I'll be there this Saturday, 3 p.m.
1: And you can find me at RVWShawn on Twitter. And that's where I don't tweet anything about hockey because I don't know the first thing about it. But <laughs> ladies jump in. Until next week, we join on Ray Free Professional Wrestling. David and Jake, ladies and gentlemen, have a stunning week. And go Rangers, go.
2: Brother.
0: This is Sergeant Arms of Christina on behalf of the guys. Thanks for listening to today's show. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating and a review. Until next time, the liberation continues.